Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We're starting a month about intentional living, and we're using, uh, you know, I think it's the last of Ernest Holmes' writings, the very last book he published. It's called How to Change Your Life. It's interesting in that as one of his mature works, it starts out very scientifically. Now, I know we're going to get to our dreams, and I promise we will get there, but I think what was so interesting is he started out the book talking about Einstein. And he said, this thing of Einstein's, this E equals MC squared, if you look at it, really what it's doing is one proof of the relationship between consciousness and matter. So what is E equals MC squared? Energy has a direct relationship to matter, to mass. The invisible has a direct relationship to the visible. Now, he didn't go so far as to say Einstein actually proved that thoughts become things. That might be like pressing that analogy a little bit. Uh, but what I think, uh, I think that he was on to the idea that, yeah, that absolutely there is a relationship between consciousness and what shows up in the world for us. And of course, this is, you know, continued to be backed up by further studies in quantum physics and things like that, that there is something about the consciousness of human being, the energy, if you will, of our thoughts that is creative. Now, is it as predictable as, uh, as E equals MC squared, where you can actually measure uh, the energy that would go into mass? Oh, we'll, we'll leave that for our discussion group this afternoon. Uh, but I did love the, at least the idea that Ernest was trying to be very contemporary and not just saying, you got to believe this, this is like a religious tenet, instead saying there will come a time when science will actually prove that thoughts become things. And here's the basis for it. The other thing I wanted to do to start us out uh, with this book, this particular edition, a wonderful introduction by Dr. Michael Beckwith, uh, who has the largest science of mind church on the planet down in Los Angeles. I think he has about 8,000 people that comes on Sunday. And, uh, And I thought, how sweet that he did the dedication of this book. Here's what he said about it. He said, in How to Change Your Life, Dr. Ernest Holmes have given the world another spiritual classic. If you seem to experience lack, limitation, fear, worry, or insecurity, take heart. You may turn to any page within this book and you will realize that your experience is simply an idea shortage. There is nothing outside of yourself that's missing. If you will look within to the vast storehouse of consciousness right in the center of your own being, all can be fulfilled. Embodying and practicing the universal truths in this book will teach you how to tap directly into the spiritual laws that create, support, and maintain the entire universe. Wow. All right. We're going to be busy this month. So where do I start? I want to start, first of all, with the idea of what happens if we don't change our mind. I'm going to look at the negative before we look at the positive for a minute. So if Ernest Holmes is right, well, and of course Einstein, uh, if they're right, what we're experiencing right now in our lives right now is the product of our thinking, right? 
Okay, so that makes sense. What's going on right now is the result of thoughts and beliefs and ideas that we've had in the past right up until now that our, that our thinking created where we are. So what if we don't change anything about our thinking? We should expect more of the same, right? Right. So for those of you out here, and I know this is going to be controversial, and I hope some of you will stay for the afterwards and we can talk about it in person. But for those of you who think, I'm just going to put it all in God's hands and just not worry myself about it anymore. I'm not going to change a thing about me because God knows what's better for me. I would like to suggest that if you don't change anything about you, if you don't change any of your thinking, you should expect more of the same. God does not have some perfect, beautiful plan written down in a golden book for us as individuals, right? That's not what we teach here. We teach free will. And so, this month, as we talk about intentional living, what I'm really talking about, and it's the good news story and the bad news story, I'm talking about intentional thinking. If we want to have intentional lives, if we want an outpicturing of love and beauty and joy and happiness in our lives, then the work to be done is all up here. And if we somehow escape this month, and I don't think we will, I think we're going to have a lot of fun this month, we're going to have a lot of practical ways that we can actually begin that process of changing our thinking. And if we don't, it's okay, but don't expect a miracle, right? Expect more of the same. Okay, so how are we motivated? First of all, before we talk about our dreams, I want to talk about our motivations. What would motivate me to change my thinking? What in my life or in my, I don't know, interactions with other people, what are the two primary things that cause people to change their thinking and their beliefs? Psychologists tell us us, that it's either something around pain and fear, some reaction to something negative going on, or they will say it's something in our desires, something that pulls us forward, something that we're really interested in. So, so on the one side, a major motivator may be pain, may be fear, may be negativity, right? It kind of, if you will, it gets us out of the frying pan. But how does that old saying go? Out of the frying pan and into the fire. So there is a danger there. If we use as motivation that which we want to avoid, and I'm not saying it doesn't, uh, that it never works, right? A lot of times we make good choices in our life because something was too painful. We get out of an abusive relationship. We, we get out of a job that doesn't pay uh, uh, enough for us to live well. You know, whatever it is, we can use that as motivation. But you see, there is a danger there. There is a danger if we're just getting out of the frying pan, what's going to keep me from finding another abusive relationship? What's going to keep me from finding another job that doesn't pay enough? When we're avoidance-based, there isn't that kind of goal out there that's leading us forward. Quite the reverse. It's more like, you know, something back here is getting pretty hot and we're just going to plunge ahead and hope for the best. Well, the trouble with that hoping for the best, again, we're apt, very apt, to get more of the same. So a different form, right? The, the abusive partner will have a different face, uh, but not much different. The, the job that's, uh, uh, that's drudgery and doesn't pay enough, you know, it's apt to just take another form. 
So what I would like to suggest, even though occasionally pain will move us to make great decisions in our lives, there's something even more powerful, there is something even more useful that can motivate us if we know what it is. And that is no more and no less than our heart's desire, our dream, our our closely held vision of what life could be of what we could be but I also know about this and this is the tricky part most of us have had it practically beaten out of us by life now I I don't like to think of the world as a hazardous place because the world isn't a hazardous place but oh my gosh do we find us in hazardous situations and hazardous relationships don't we hang around people that think of the darndest things And it's been true since a very early age. People willing to tell us all kinds of crazy things that I'm sure out of the goodness of their hearts, out of love even, that maybe they thought it would be true or it would keep us safe or whatever it was. But along the way, a lot of our closely held dreams were put on the shelf. We're we're spirited away. We're covered up. And a lot of us, I think, are simply experiencing the inertia of our lives. So let me talk a little bit about that idea of inertia. Because I do think, I do think that when all of us initially came to a Science of Mind Center or any of the the New Thought churches, a, a Unity Church or something like that, many of us within just a couple Sundays captured this idea of, oh my gosh, if I change my consciousness even a little bit, things will get better. If I, if I have an affirmation and hold it tight to me that my relationships are good and that I deserve love in my life, things will get better. That if I uh, truly can accept in my, in, in my deepest being that I'm worthy of having a great job that, that, that is really well paid and has great benefits, that I will attract that in. And, and we get this on some level. We put it to the test, maybe in small ways and then bigger ways. Some of us plunge right in and make a huge change in our lives almost immediately. But you know what? I think it takes the edge off our lives, right? It makes things a little better. We're not feeling the panic anymore. We're feeling better about ourselves. And then that inertia sits in. Suddenly, we're not finding ourselves in quite as painful of situations. We're, we're not finding ourselves uh, uh, in quite so much lack. We have a sense of hopefulness, of course, because we recognize that there is a power for good in the universe, and it's on our side. That It says yes as we accept love. As we, as we become goodness, the goodness follows us. The goodness actually seeks us out. And oh, that's hopeful. And we rise out, out of the... And I hope I'm not speaking for myself. I'm I'm probably portraying myself a terrible loser as I came into science of mind. But you know what? It gave me hope for a better life almost instantly. And then what I discovered was just the inertia of life seemingly kind of held me there. I put a lot of my bigger dreams, like like why, why would the goodness just stop once I feel relatively satisfied? Right? 
It's like, do you think God just says, oh, only so much, Larry? <laughs> right? He got, you know, he's filled up to here. That's enough, love. There's not enough to go around. Got to keep the rest of it from him. <laughs> of course not. And yet, there must be something in me that allows the, what do I want to call it? The passion to subside a little bit. The willingness to claim even more love, more joy, more peace, more wholeness. There must be something in myself that puts a little cap on that and allows then for me to just live the same old life at the same old level of creative thought that will only allow me so much. Now the, the level's up a bit, right? I'm feeling better about life and life is treating me better. I'm getting paid a little more or whatever my initial issues were. I seemingly solved them and now my life is perfectly adequate. (laughs) Shame on me. (laughs) Shame on me. Oh my gosh. I'm not going to settle for that. And this month, I'm going to ask each person in this room to come to another level. Now, maybe we can't make that, take that big gulp and go, do you know what I mean? Maybe it won't be a skyrocket, although I'd like to think it could. I would like to think that our fondest dreams, our most compelling ideas of, of love and satisfaction, of whatever it is we, we choose to believe or want to do or want to become or accomplish, I would like to think that in an instant, We can be there. And you know why? Because God would say yes to that. There is nothing in God that would deny us anything on the planet. I was reading about a couple in California that discovered like a few million dollars worth of gold on their own land, right? And I said to myself, finally, there was something in them that was ready to receive their good. It had been buried there. They'd owned the land for a long time, right? And something about them, something about their own thinking, their own ability to receive had changed on that day when they stopped along the trail and wondered what that tin can was that was poking up out of the dirt. Well, that tin can is there for each one of us. There is a way that God can get us our fondest dreams when we can accept it, when we're ready. And that leads me into today's joke. (laughs) Well, you know... You were hoping for it. I know you were. So here it is. So there's this little town, see, in the Midwest, and the whole area is just hit hard with drought for years and years. And in this town, there's a little church that served all the farmers and the farming community. Every Sunday, everyone would come to church and pray for rain. Now, the pastor would tell them every Sunday that they needed to pray more. He gave them affirmations to do. He had them develop powerful mental... Wait a minute, this sounds like me. He had, he had them develop powerful mental equivalents of watered fields and green, lush pasture land. Well, one week, a gentleman in the back stood up and said, Preacher, every week we come here and pray, and you tell us we need to pray more. Nothing changes. I'm tired of all this positive thinking. It's starting to seem to me like there's nothing to really be positive about. Well, the preacher sighed. That, my friend, is because you have not been able to fully change your thinking yet. Your faith has not yet been creative enough to accept the end of the drought. Well, that really pissed off the guy. (laughs) 
what do you mean we lack faith, he bellowed. We're here week after week praying. What better evidence of faith could there be than our prayers? Well, the preacher smiled and looked over at the coat rack. And he said, maybe some umbrellas. Do you see, there is a level of acceptance in what we dream for. And I want to talk for a moment about the idea between a dream that is solid, that is worthy of moving us forward into our greatness, versus kind of a daydream instead of a day, instead of a dream. Has, has anyone here besides me ever made an impulse buy? Okay, fair enough. It's like you're in a store and it's just so darn shiny. It's just, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's either so irresistibly, the idea of it is tasty or, or you just need, uh, where, I was at Portland Nursery the other day and they had uh, small conifers on sale and it said over 400 varieties, buy one of each. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I just had to laugh because that's, that's all about the, you know, Collect them all. It's, all it's, it's about the impulse buy. And I think sometimes that's what we do with our dreams, that they're not really based on something that would be useful and good and long-term for us. And we just kind of think of them as an impulse buy, as a wishful, hopeful, like, gosh, it would be nice to be rich. Gosh, that dream relationship would be so cool. You know, we see some friends of ours that maybe you, you go and celebrate a 30th anniversary party and there they are 30 years later and they're still so in love and it's so sweet and I think that's what I want. But is it really a purposeful dream on your part? Something that you could buy the umbrellas for? Something that you could hold so dearly and firmly as reality for yourselves that the universe is going to get a chance to say yes to it? Or is it just a fleeting thing? Is it just an impulse buy? Is it just, yeah, I wish I had what they had, and now I wish I had what Linda had, and, and now I'd like to be a darn good singer and, and musician as well, because I would, really. But, and, and Whistler, thank you, Linda, yes. <laughs> but yet, I'm thinking that that's a wishful, hopeful kind of dream. I'm thinking that probably, as much as I love music, as much as I love his music, I'm thinking that's probably one of those impulses. Now I want to ask you all, there is something in you beyond impulse. There is something in each person in this room that they are called to be and to do on this planet. A true dream, a dream of the heart that is compelling and lasting and for which on day one you'd go out and buy an umbrella for because you know you're going to have it. It may be a dream of, of perfect health. It may dream, be a dream of outrageous joy. It may be a dream of usefulness to the community in, in, a, in a magnificent way. It may be a dream of being a, a talented and amazing musician. I don't know what your dream is, but you have one. Even if you don't know you have one, there is one there. There is something to call your spirit forward. Something much more powerful than just getting a kick on the butt. 
something much more powerful than waiting until things get painful enough that you'll move forward again. This is what I think we need to start with this month. The rest of this month on Sundays, we're going to have lots of tools, lots of techniques. We're going to learn how to change our mind in ways that will stick with us, allowing that universal law, allowing the E equals MC squared to to do its thing in our own lives in in a powerful way and in a complete way. But if we don't know what we want, there's the rub. If it's just inertia moving us forward, if it's the same old thinking that's going to produce the same old lives, gosh, we're going to be kind of disappointed, and I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're willing, I'm going to guide you in a little bit of visioning today. For those of you who've ever taken any of our CSL classes, most of them will teach you how to do this thing that we call visioning. And and you can think of it really as just a very simple form of meditation. So I'd like you to start by just closing your eyes. Just rest gently in your chairs. And I'm simply going to ask you, on your behalf, if you will, a few questions And I would like those questions to be answered by your intuition, by your higher wisdom self, by your connection to something greater than you. It may come in the form of words, it may come in the form of pictures or thoughts or ideas. Just allow your own creativity to answer these questions. First I ask, what is spirit's highest idea for my life. Each person in this room has that highest idea, that highest value of their life. And we ask, what is Spirit's highest idea for my life? Just allow thoughts and pictures and ideas to come to you naturally. And now we ask, what must I release? There are old patterns, there are old ways of being, there are old horses that need to be kicked to the curb. What must we release in order to make room for this high idea for our life? What must we release? Next we ask, what must I embrace? Newness is required for change. And so what newness is to be embraced in your life? Is it more love? Is it more life? Is it more health? Is it more joy? What might you embrace to bring about this compelling idea for your life?
And finally, we ask, what is the next step? Each journey, it may have a thousand steps, but only the one, the very next one, need we worry about. What is the next step in spirit's unfolding of your high idea for life itself? What is that next step? We ask and we listen. So I invite you to bring your attention back into the room and you can open your eyes as you will. And of course this leads us into our homework. I think for us to be really successful this month at improving our lives in a dramatic way, that it will become important for you to understand what this dream is, what this acceptable, this, this loving and compelling dream is for you. And, and so that's your homework. Over the course of this week, I would like you to check out what your life is, what you want it to be, and try to formulate it in terms of the idea of a compelling dream, if you would. A dream that's achievable, not, a, not one of those uh, impulse buys, but, but really something that would meaningfully change your life in a profound and powerful way, something that is motivating you to, to be drawn forward, not, not a kick in the butt, because often the kick in the butt could just kick us into right? Something that we don't want. So, so what's that compelling future state that you want to be in? It might be, it might be a dream of something you wanted to do when you were a kid and never got the chance. It's okay. It's okay. It might seem really big and that's okay too. You know, God really doesn't care how big the dream is. So that's your homework for this week. I'm going to close today with a, a final quote from the material of Ernest Holmes and, of course, a prayer. Here's what Ernest Holmes says to conclude the material for this week. He says, there is but one mind and it is omnipresent. It is all there is. It is everything visible and invisible. And it is a manifestation of the one mind, the result of its creative action. Because you are made in the image and likeness of God, you can use your mind according to its nature, and you can and you will be successful in drawing the good to you. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There is but one thing. I, I choose to call it God, but, but regardless of whether you think of it as your good or as life or as the universe, as, as Allah or Kuan Yin, the name is irrelevant. The, the truth, the important thing, is that it is present always. And that means me. It means that God is in my life, that, that the, the God, that my higher power is simply there for me, saying yes to those thoughts, those thought patterns, those beliefs that I hold closely to, me, to myself. And for this week, for this week, I begin shifting those thoughts 
even if imperceptible at first, I begin shifting them towards the great dream, the, the great calling for which I am here on this planet. And as it is true for, for me, I know that it is possible for all of the people in this room that each person here and their unique calling, their unique way of being in the world can be highlighted this week, can draw them forward into a beautiful idea of life. And I'm just grateful for this. I'm grateful for that hope of all things. I'm grateful for that beauty on the horizon, for that awakening of a, of a spiritual prototype. I'm, I'm grateful for the certainty of, of the knowledge that thoughts become things. It applies to everyone in this room. And so I release this prayer into the activity and action of the Lord's self. I just let it be, and together we say, so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.